Today's guest on the successful pitch is Shaheen Shayan, who has a new book out and an online course about Amazon mastery. We talk about how important it is to not only convert, and you need to speak Amazon's language to do that, and also get in the top ranking. And he said the keys to that are authority and social proof. And he shows examples of finding out what your 20% effort is that gives you 80% of the results. Enjoy the episode. The episode will begin right after this message. Are you a salesperson tired of coming in second place? Do you feel like you're playing defense on every sales call? Are you fed up with the tire kickers and time wasters who never buy? Then you need the new online course where you will learn the better selling through storytelling method. Find out how to avoid the mistakes that keep you stuck in the friend zone at work. Once you go through this online course, you'll increase your sales closing rates by 10% or get a full refund. To find out how to start coming in first place more often, go to johnlevisay.com forward slash sales. Hi, and welcome to the successful pitch. Today's guest is Shaheen Shayan, who was born in Iran, and he's an award-winning entrepreneur, writer, and filmmaker currently based in Los Angeles. He's the CEO and chairman of Accelerated Intelligence through Accelerated Intelligence, an Amazon marketing and advertising agency. He manages the selling of his products and helps other brand owners to scale their online sales, not just in Amazon, but other marketplaces like eBay, Shopify, and Walmart. He shares his passion for Amazon through his Amazon course entitled Amazon Mastery, which I have had the privilege of taking, and it is incredible, full of information. And he also has a new book coming out that we're also going to talk about, which has a very compelling title that we'll ask him about to explain, which is all about Billion, How I Became the King of the Thrill Pill Cult. I almost got that title out. Uh, Shaheen, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Great to be on. Well, I love asking my guests to tell me their story of origin. And in your case, you can go back to your days in Iran and certainly tell us what's in this book you've written called Billion, How I Became the King of the Thrill Pill Cult. That is part of your story of origin, I think, of before you became an Amazon expert. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I was born in Iran, in Tehran and grew up there until I was about five years old, solid middle-class family, Persian Jews. Then revolution happened in Iran, and my family was, let's say, highly motivated to move out of what became the Islamic Republic of Iran and move out and eventually land in the U.S., where we became solidly lower middle class to kind of the beginnings of poor, certainly poor from the standpoint of the kids I was going to school with in a little uh, enclave here of Los Angeles called Brentwood. And I grew up around kids who had summer homes and their parents had multiple cars and all types of luxuries. And I didn't eat out at like a proper sit down restaurant until I was like 12. It was just not something that we did. Yeah. And if I needed clothes, me and my brother would go down to my dad's dry cleaners in Westwood, mm. and we would keep our eyes open for clothes that customers had left behind for a year or more. Sometimes we'd get lucky, but usually our clothes would be several sizes too big for us. Of course. It's an ongoing joke with me and my brother because we would 
wait by the door and look for people coming in who kind of had a cool look. And we would hope secretly that they wouldn't come back to pick up their clothes because we knew that's what we'd be wearing the next season. So from there, I decided that I wanted to become an entrepreneur. I don't know how, but school life was very tough growing up Iranian in the United States during a time where there was, you know, extreme prejudice against people from Iran. This was all during Iran-Contra and things started heating up at home. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. And I decided that I was just going to leave home. So I left home right around 15 and kind of went about my way. And I discovered a mentor somewhere in Venice Beach who mentored me and started out in the rave scene, throwing underground parties, literally breaking into warehouses, you know, having someone hop the, uh, the electrical pole to get power, bringing in, you know, several car speakers to make sound and doing all kinds of stuff like that and running basically illegal rave parties in the early 90s Los Angeles rave scene, which led me to a discovery that the only people making money in the rave scene, including the DJs and the promoters, were the people who were selling drugs. And unfortunately for them, the supply of the most popular drug at the time, ecstasy, which is what I think they call Molly now, Mm-hmm. had run out. It had completely been wiped off the tables and they were unable to get it. So there was all types of dangerous stuff being sold as ecstasy. Because of course, yeah. when people are at parties and raves and clubs and they're having a good time and they're with their friends and they're enjoying life, they don't have time to do a chemical analysis of the pills being sold to them. <laughs> and this was causing some turmoil. And I thought to myself, hey, what if I could break in to this niche if I could create a legal and safe alternative that wouldn't hurt people and that people could use as an alternative, I'd be doing very well. So long story short, formulated a product literally in a girlfriend's bathtub at the time in somewhere in West Hollywood and um, started going to the clubs. And figuring out a way to convince the drug dealers who were peddling real drugs to sell my pills. So let's and, just pause for a second there so people get a yeah. real picture. Because the cover of your book has a picture of you in this era with long hair wearing this pink sort of guru gown on this very psychedelic cool background, which if they're looking at your headshot of the handsome guy you are now, they may not even recognize it as the same person, correct? Yes. So that is right. I was long-haired, defiant to no end, rebellious teenager who happened to be running a billion-dollar company with 200 employees and had absolutely zero history in business zero experience. I was a high school dropout. I never completed ninth grade and flying by the seat of my pants. And the funny thing was that I had a system at the time, which I called suicide margins. And what that meant was to me was that I would make more money to solve all problems because I knew that 
if a problem arose, it would be easier for me to make more money to throw at it at that time, because we were printing money with these pills, than to go through the long process of fixing problems and building systems and doing all that. So the one system I had in place is make so much money that if something comes up, you can just throw money at it and solve it. Somebody steals product, no problem. Those drug dealers to sell your, quote, herbal ecstasy, which is 100% legal, to create this whole smart drug movement. That's a really good question. So it all started out with one moment in one rave where I showed up. It was a huge rave. I was nervous, shaking. I had a backpack full of like goo-filled capsules because that's all we had at that time. They were either balls or capsules. And I hadn't gotten to commercial production. I was literally packing this stuff myself in a basement and kitchen and bathroom of a girlfriend's at the time. I showed up at the club with backpack fill of pills that I'd very carefully packed in little baggies with a little card inside with a picture of a butterfly and an E in it. And they were out of drugs at this party. And I walked up to the biggest drug dealer in there and I said, Hey, you know, you're going to go to jail. There's undercovers here. And I've got a way for you to get out of it. And at first he was very aggressive and standoffish. And I said, Hey, sell my stuff. And he said, what? And I said, sell my stuff. And he said, just give me some and I'll, I'll try it. And he tried it and he was really enjoying life in that moment. So he took the whole backpack full, sold it all within minutes and then came back asking me for more, which I nervously had to decline because I didn't have any. I'd have to run back to the girlfriend's bathtub and continue to produce more. And he got my number. I got a pager and more people came on. He brought on others and more and more people came on and it grew from one guy in one club to a hundred guys, to a thousand guys, to 10,000 guys, to the point where we created a billion dollars in revenue. And in my upcoming book, I tell the story where I'm sitting in my office and the news breaks to me that we broke the billion dollar mark in sales. And I'm sitting there going through my books, talking to the people sitting there. I did not even know how much a billion dollars was. Could have told me and I wouldn't have known. And they wanted me to be on one of these big talk shows. I think it was Montel Williams. And I was nervous because this was pre-internet and I didn't know what a billion dollars was. And I was like, oh, I don't even know what, like, is he going to ask me how much a billion is? Maybe I don't know what a billion is. Is it British billion, American billion? I'm looking through encyclopedias. I'm like, crap, what are we going to do? And then someone's like, look, listen, idiot. They're not going to ask you how much a billion is. They probably already know. But the bigger problem is, is that they're going to try to ambush you. And so we have this whole situation developed where I'm going on this national talk show and I knew that I was being ambushed meaning that they were going to juxtaposition me, the one me, 15 years old, wearing Tiva sandals and sweatpants or medical scrubs, because I thought those were comfortable and I didn't want to think about dressing. So I had two modes. I had medical scrubs and I had sweats, and that's all I would ever wear anywhere, all in one color. And I decided to do the show anyway, Because I knew that even though they were going to have all government people against me, they were going to try to do some big thing where they would confront me on the air and prove how wrong I was, that I was going to capitalize on that. So what I did was I printed up t-shirts with our 800 number spread across the top. Now, before the internet, there was this thing called 800 numbers. 
I got a young explain this to all the millennials that are going yes, to Yes, well, you know, a pager, you know, he was originally <laughs> just for drug dealers, <laughs> doctors, and then actors waiting for their agents to page them. But now you have a pager to promote these. That's right. They're going to be Googling what a pager is. So I had my pager and I had these t-shirts with our 800 number emblazoned across the top of them. And I had a team go out and <clears> hand <throat> them out to everybody in the studio audience before. And then we gave them sweaters to put over them so they wouldn't get busted. Ah. We gave them all free pills. It was like a big party outside when the producers came out. They did not understand what was going on. It's just to be clear, and those pills work really quickly. Yes, it's not like you yeah. we have to wait an hour to feel a difference. It's 15 to 45 minutes. Herbal ecstasy yeah. was very effective depending on your body weight and metabolism. It could be, I had people who, you know, it affected them within five, 10 minutes. But some people, if your metabolism is a little slower, it might take mm -hmm. longer. If you've got a lot of food in your belly, it might take longer. But so one of the things that we did, somebody may have incentivized some of the people on that show to stand up and wear our t-shirt on the show. The show host, who later turns out may or may not have been a little dyslexic and didn't actually read on the show because he was unable to do so, he just pretended like he would read, like he would hold up a package and he would say what the producers told him to say or what was on the prompter. I didn't realize that this was happening. So when the show aired, our 800 number was on everything. And we made hundreds of millions of dollars from the airing of that show and others, wow. just because my 800 number was on my shirt. And we had government people saying, hey, this product could be dangerous. And there was you know, they had concerned moms of America and dare. <laughs> and they're like, don't buy this. It's dangerous. It could be dangerous. This could very well be dangerous. But what are people hearing? When you say don't, your subconscious doesn't hear it. They're hearing buy this. Yeah, that's right. But when they're saying it's dangerous, that translates to the mind of all these people. Rebellion. Yeah. Is that maybe it does work. Because the real controversy in people's minds were, if I'm going to drop 20 bucks on this, is it going to work? Right. That was the real controversy. The controversy on the news was, is it dangerous? Is it not? And the fact is, people are willing to take a very high degree of risk in order to have a good time. The younger you are, the more tolerant you are for, you feel immortal and you're not worried about anything <laughs> happening. That's right. So, That's right. That's absolutely right. Target audience. And now this has morphed into... This has been, what, 30 years? And, and now Accelerated Intelligence has not the same product, but other products that have all kinds of enhancements around memory. And I just want to take us to that journey a little bit so we can get to the Amazon stuff. But it, it's a fascinating launch of a career, but it also obviously stuck and morphed into something called Accelerated Intelligence, correct? That's right. So, well, I, I wouldn't say it morphed. I would say I learned a lot of lessons along the way. Mm -hmm. When you are a teenager and making hundreds of millions of dollars leading up to creating over a billion dollars in value, you know, before your 21st birthday, you learn a lot. And since then, I created a number of companies, many of which failed, a few which succeeded, which brings me to where I am now. I've got three lines of business. One is we make and sell products on the Amazon platform and, and beyond. We've got 300 different products in health and wellness, teas, supplements. We've got Accelerol, which is a fantastic brain supplement. We sell one called Focus Plus, which people really love. But we make all types of products. In addition to that, 
we have an agency where we do that for Fortune 50s, Fortune 500s. We charge some unreasonable amount of money, and we've got probably more demand now than we do have time and supply for our service. Because somewhere along the ways, we figured out how we could win using the Amazon algorithm to our advantage. And it seems now, especially in COVID times, that that's something that everybody wants to do with their product. So we get brands approaching us all the time for that. Well, let's talk about one of those brands, because what I love most, among many things about you and your persona and your passion and your just intelligence and grit, I would say, is this organic matcha DNA. That's one of your products. There's a lot of places that sell matcha green tea. People are aware of the benefits of it from immune system stuff. But you literally figured out a way, because this is what you do for everybody, is to how are we going to make our organic matcha DNA show up? in an Amazon search so that when someone Google or puts into Amazon green tea, that yours is going to be one of the ones that comes up. So maybe just walk us through that path as an explanation of how you help others find a product, get it to appear on the first page of Amazon results, and then what that does for people's income and life. Sure. Well, look, if you want to achieve success, you have to be able to find the one thing that's going to be the most fruitful for the effort that you're putting out. There's a great book by Gary Keller called The One Thing. I'm sure you've read that, where he explores that. But not only that, what you have to do is you have to do an analysis of all of your effort. And in that analysis, there's another great book by a guy named David Koch, The 80-20 Principle, which is based on the Pareto Principle, which is this guy long time ago figured out that 20% of our efforts bring about 80% of our results. So what is your 20%? And when we look at Amazon, we look at all the stuff that people do to sell products online. Well, what's that one thing that you can do that can put your brand, that can put your product above all the others? Well, the important thing on Amazon above and beyond all other things is ranking, like you're saying, and Uh being able to get visibility. But that's not the only thing. Once you have that ranking, you have that visibility, you have to be able to convert. You have to be able to get them to buy your product. And we do that by being able to tell, or I should say, speak the language of Amazon. And that has to do with influence. Another great writer a man named Caldini, a professor who I think you've had on this very podcast. I have. He wrote a great oh book God, called John. Persuasion. Yes. Edifying things. Yep. Persuasion and influence. I'm honored to be sharing the same airwaves, but he talks about the key factors of influence. And I'll give you guys two here on this podcast, which really is the 20 to the 80%, even when it breaks down to influence. And that's social proof and authority. Those two things with any product really, really make a big, big difference when you're selling on Amazon. And so we teach, you know, in my course, I've got a lot of students now who learn from us. A lot of people come to us and are like, hey, we'd love to use your service. I'm like, we're ridiculously expensive. And they're like, you're right. We can't afford you. Thanks. We have a course now. So people can take the course, do it themselves. The course is, is pretty reasonable. It's not for everybody, 
but for the right people, it could be a game changer. And we teach them how to do what we do using influence, using storytelling, which you are the master of on the Amazon platform, learning how to sell products and create this real estate where they have this recurring revenue stream that's happening for them day after day, week after week, making money while they sleep. That's what we teach, basically. I love it. Let's dive into, since we're both such fans of Dr. Robert Codaldi and influence. So there's three steps in any process. There's the attract, there's the convert, and then there's the deliver. Most people have some challenges on the first two steps, and but once they get hired to deliver something, they're pretty good at it. What I think is so great about you is you walk people through all three steps. So if you happen to say, I want to sell something, but I need to import it from China, and there might be some delivery holdups or what have you, obviously that would impact your business. So you have been through enough of these to know the warning signs so that people don't get stuck in the delivery part, because that's such a key part of expectations around anything I buy on Amazon, it better be here at least by tomorrow, if not a drone delivering it within the hour. So when we talk about this first concept of attract, which you describe as ranking to show up, that in and of itself is worth the price of your course, in my opinion, because people spend thousands of dollars to have that same result in Google searches. And you are the expert on that for Amazon. But it's not enough just to show up. you got to show up as your best self and your brand and the packaging. And all of that starts to really blend into the, the conversion starts the minute that page downloads, in my humble opinion. A lot of people feel like they lose the sale at the end of the sale when they ask someone to buy. Like in your case, it would be the click here. And I'm saying mm-hmm. most of those sales are lost of, oh, that doesn't, that packaging doesn't match who I think of myself as. So it may be the least expensive, but I'm going to buy something that appeals to me. So maybe we should talk a little bit about authority as it relates to packaging. Cause I think those two things are really tied together. Do you agree? Great question. And so, okay. So I'm going to push back a little bit on that with you because okay. I know that you are a master salesman. You are a master of pitch, probably one of the best in the world. And with that, I see where you're coming from, wanting to always put excellence forward. I mean, I've known you for a couple of years now, and I always see you bringing excellence to what you do. And that's admirable. With products, however, on the Amazon platform, and I'm only talking about Amazon and selling on Amazon, sometimes you have to be careful not to have perfection paralysis, which is something that a lot of people suffer from. So this line of conversation, I'm so glad that you brought it up, is so important because especially in these days of everything being politically charged and COVID and all this stuff happening, we tend to gravitate towards black and white. And things really are not just black and white, they are nuanced. And specifically in the order of selling on the Amazon platform, there is a lot of nuance there. I get students who come to me who cannot launch a product because they are so tied up in excellence. And I tell them, I say, hey, you know what? It's good to be excellent, but you also need to do what Seth Godin talks about. You need to ship. So (laughs) your product is good enough for what it is, right? We used to say good enough for government work. Yeah, It's good enough for what it is, ship and fix the problems as you go. Sometimes that's a tactic that's better than 
working out all the kinks and making it excellent, the best possible thing you can put out. Why? And this is a principle that I teach in my book, because John, when you are sleeping, your enemies are planning your demise. Right. Well, two things. One, we talked about mutual friend Jay Samet's great line that failure is just feedback. You keep going until you get a zombie idea so great it won't die, which gets you out of that perfection paralysis. And I teach people all the time, let go of perfectionism and think of yourself as a progressionist and start celebrating progress so that you don't wait to launch something. I mean, just looking at my own website and the speaking video I've created multiple times and keep enhancing it from where it was to where it is now is night and day. But if I didn't start, (laughs) it wouldn't have ever started to evolve. So I agree with you that don't let perfectionism stop you from launching and testing something. But if we take a look at the authority that organic matcha DNA has and the social proof that you have from Dr. Eric Wood, who you were nice enough to introduce me to, boom, that's it an example. It's got authority plus social proof and really great packaging that all combines to tell this story. And so I think we really been able to bring those two things to life a little bit. But just taking an example of when you look at this about this item. So there's a lot of things you could open with. And I tell people the same thing is true of a recipe, a job interview, when they describe what they're looking for. And when you're promoting details of a product, put the most compelling thing up front. Don't bury the lead, as they say in journalism. So a lot of people could say, well, I'm a left brain kind of person. I'm going to talk about how lab tested for lead this is. But you lead with delicious and nutritious. And I think that's so smart because matcha green tea has a reputation for not exactly being tasting very good. Sometimes it can be a little bitter for some people. So the fact that you open with that pulls us into that story. And then we keep reading about how it's certified and the doctor and the the kind of way that it's packaged. And here's what I do in storytelling. is when I give a fact or feature about something, I encourage people to say this phrase, what that means to you is. So if we're talking about something being certified BPA-free packaging, and you're the only one that does that, well, what that means to people is, and I'll let you fill in the blank there. It's healthy. Healthy, so. yeah. And so nobody wants things that are not, you know, if you're buying something organic, but it has a BPA in it, correct? Then you're taking away from it. So that's your unique selling point, but you lead with delicious and nutritious. So when you're talking about the nuances that are in your course, this is what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, that's right. You know, there's not every approach is right for everybody. And so what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that you want to lead with the one thing that your audience whoever your product avatar, whoever's buying Mm -hmm. your product, wants to hear the most, the lead point of influence. By emotionally and then back it up with logic. So if you're putting your description of your item and logic at the top, they may not read down to the emotional hook first. Yeah, absolutely. And it just depends, you know, like on the product. This is the nuance that we're talking about. Like you might have coat hangers and all coat hangers are the same. So your proposition there might be, hey, you get five more with us. And then you would lead with that. Or it could be that, you know, we're the low price leader that, hey, we're the same as all the other guys, but we're a dollar cheaper. So save that dollar. It's whatever that 
influencing factor is that will lead them to make a buying decision. It's going to be different, right, for every product. So I'm 100% on board with that. So since you've been through my storytelling format, let's leave everybody with an actual case story so that they ideally can see themselves in the story and want to go on the journey with you becoming a master of Amazon. So if you have a client in mind that you can tell a case story about, we'll start with the exposition, their name, maybe just their first name for anonymity purposes, where they live, approximately how old they are. Just paint that picture a little bit for us if you have a case story in mind. Sure. No, we don't believe in anonymity here. All of my students, once they come on board, they know they're on board. Okay. But more interestingly, I will tell you this story. So me and my wife decided to have a kid. Jeez, now it's about eight years ago. They grow faster. Mm-hmm. And she was working for the United Nations under Kofi Annan during Kofi Annan's reign at the United Nations. And she was a big time publicist working for the UN and government positions. Or, this is your wife, correct? Wife, yeah. yeah. Directly under Kofi Annan, who is her boss who was head of the United Nations. And we decided to have a kid and she said, look, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that kind of high level international politics work. When we said, okay, and you know, she came home, we had the baby. And during that whole time, she was like, look, I got to do something. I can't just you know, be a mom. I'd like to do something. I'd like to do something that brings in some money. And so she just by osmosis and watching me help clients and watching me help students and mentor people, just listened in and was like, hey, I think I can start an Amazon company. I said, yeah, yeah, okay, you can do it. I'll help you you know, with whatever time you have. And she figured out, she's like, look, I've got two hours a day when the kid's sleeping or at the babysitter, and you know, I think I can do it. And she launched a company selling greeting cards and really girly things that I don't understand, like <laughs> recipe tins and floral flowery things yeah. that I have very little connection to, and I would never think that somebody would need a recipe tin in this day and age. (laughs) Um, And when she told me, I was like, what? They don't have an iPhone? What's wrong? Like, what do they need a recipe tin? And she is now doing close to half a million dollars a year in sales, working about four hours a week from home. And she's doing it by selling these products on Amazon. She expanded out to Etsy using our algorithms and the stuff that we teach. She sells on eBay. And day after day, we're on vacation, we're in Tulum, you know, sitting on the beach. She's got her phones dinging with orders. Ding, 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 ding. You know, she gets that tone. She loves it. And we joke around about that. And she's adding products all the time. And it's amazing because she gets an opportunity to be a mom, to be a wife, to hang out with our family and friends and really, you know, do that and still bring in that revenue. And that's one of the amazing opportunities that Amazon has been affording it's sellers, why it's such an important company. And, you know, and then we take that money and we turn it into other products and cash flow producing real estate. Let me just break that down for people who love to listen to the show to learn how to tell stories as well as you just did. So what he did there, what is your wife's name, by the way? Her name's Mahdis. Okay. So eight years ago, we know this happened because that's how old your child is, right? That's yeah, the exposition. So we know eight years ago, she became a new mom and we know that she had a very high-powered job before, so she, the problem was she didn't want to just be a mom and yet only had two hours in a day as a full-time mom to juggle all this. That's so right. now we have a pretty good picture, and a lot of women can relate to this. And 
what I find fascinating about that story is even after your child got older, where she could have decided to go back to work after they started school, she realized that the lifestyle and the freedom and the money was probably even better than she had when she was working for somebody that was such a high demand job. And you go into, the, so we, we have the exposition. We know how long ago we know the problem. And then we go to the solution, which is an unexpected solution of something. And the way you told that of like, I would never think anybody needs it, but we have a way of testing it. And sure enough, it proved out to be something. And then you give us the solution of $500 million in eight years, four hours a week. And you're like, well, that sounds like something I'd like to learn how to do. And then the resolution is really what brings that story home. Now we are visioning you on the beach with your wife and your son and everyone's happy. She's feeling fulfilled, not just as a mom and a wife, but also as an entrepreneur and contributing to the family. And then you're describing, and this is so important in storytelling. The money is going back into the business to launch other products and buy income real estate. So we're creating a legacy and boom, mic drop on that because that's tugging at the heartstrings because a lot of people want to leave a legacy for their children and just being on the planet, whether you have kids or not. So I don't know if you consciously did that, but I think it was valuable for people to hear how to tell a good case story in a way that is obviously intriguing. And we'll promote people to go check out what you're offering on your course, but also at the same time, learn how to become a master storyteller in a new way. So we're doing two things 100%. at once. Absolutely. I, I love how you broke that down. And that's amazing. How would you improve that? Mention her name, because the more specifics, when my, my wife, and then give us a, her name, and then just go make us do the math in our head. Let us know that eight years ago, when we decide to have a child who is now mm. eight years old, those little details pull us yep. into a picture in a stronger way, and maybe give a little bit more of a description of maybe a problem she had along the way and why people need your course in order to make this so successful. So the biggest mistake people make is they don't test or they spend too much money or they don't know the algorithm or they don't speak the Amazon language. Give us some sense of what she started to do that you helped her not do before mm. she had that success. So that we're on the journey a little bit because to go from oh, you have an idea for a product. We don't know where she gets it from. We don't know how she tested it. We don't know if she had a little... The more we see that there was some challenges in how your product... Remember, in this case, the course, you're the Sherpa helping her climb Mount Everest of launching a new product to make money. Right. Is We could add into that story to make it even more compelling. But as it is, it's intriguing enough that people are going to go, I at least want to go to the website. So as we're closing out the show... What's the best website for people to go to to find out more about you as a speaker and uh, to find out about your book and the course? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to do a couple things. One, if it's okay with you, I'm going to give my email address, and this will be my direct email where people can get a hold of me, and I will give my website. And so the website, which I'm sure you'll have in the show notes as yes. well, is www.shaheen, S-H-A-A-H-I-N, C-H-E-Y-E-N-N-E dot com. And if anybody's interested in succeeding on Amazon, reach out to me with an email. And that email is D-A-R-K-Z-E-S-S at gmail.com. And I will get back to you. You can also try AI, that's like Alpha India, at xlrl.net. Great. Shaheen, thank you so much for 
taking us on this amazing journey of the first 40 something years of your life. I can't wait to see what the next 40 something is going to bring and the impact it'll have on the world. Oh, amazing. So much fun. Thank you so much for having me on, John. Really an honor to be on your show. My pleasure.